Welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talaya Dindi. I'm a cancer thriver, cancer doula, independent patient advocate, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complementary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, everyone. This is Talaya Dindi from OnTheOtherSide.life, and you're listening to Navigating Cancer Together, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and your hearts. Today, our very special guest is Georges Cordoba. He is actually a stage four melanoma with metastasis in the brain cancer survivor. He fought the disease for 10 years. He had 10 surgeries. Pharmaceuticals nearly destroyed his body. So he took the natural holistic route to heal himself. And here he is today. This July 12th was his 11th year free of cancer. Congratulations, Georges. This experience has radically changed his life, and it became his mission and passion to share his story and inspire and help others to do the same. In 2017, Georgia shifted careers from being a chief technology officer to a holistic transformational health coach, functional nutritionist, professional speaker, Reiki teacher, and best-selling author of the book, Beating the Odds about the holistic journey to conquer advanced cancer. Georgia says, I see my advanced cancer experience as a blessing because surviving it gave me a chance to sing the song I was born to sing, which is helping people transform their health and vitality. He is completing his rapid transformation therapist diploma to add value to his clients. Georgia's what an impressive resume, impressive work. Thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me, Talaya. It's an honor to share with you and your audience. Thank you, Georges. Before we jump into the conversation, how are you feeling today? I feel great. Actually, my birthday was October 12th. And based on my experience, every year, every day is really a blessing, but my birthday and after my experience, it's just priceless. And I turned 63 last week and just very happy and, and feeling blessed to be alive and helping people. As you just mentioned, the experience really gave me the chance to sing the song I was born to sing, My Purpose, which is really helping people, particularly with cancer. Wonderful. Happy birthday, Georges. I'm so happy to have you here. 63, that is really a blessing considering all that you've been through with cancer, Mm -hmm. surgeries, 
and so happy that you're thriving. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Georges, please share with the audience how you learned that you had melanoma and what were some of the symptoms you were experiencing? That's a great question. I I was actually on our home, on the pool, playing with the kids in, in the pool at the house. It was Sunday. And for a few weeks, I, I was having this itching in my in the top of my skull. I had long hair, and but it kept bothering me for a week or so. And that one Sunday, I was scratching, and I thought it was a, a pimple or something like that. But I had it was some blood in there. So I called my wife. She came to see what was going on there, and and she didn't like it. She said, "Look, this doesn't look good." We have four boys. Now they're adults and a girl. She's going to be 29 in December, but everyone else is in the 30s. And they're pretty fair skin. So my wife, it doesn't matter the color of our skin, but she had always taken the kids to this dermatologist. And so she says, I'm going to reach out to the dermatologist tomorrow, Monday, and because it would be great for her to see what you have in there. So that worries me. And I said, what, what are you talking about? This doesn't look good. We had to get it done and see it. You know, That started a chain of events that were part of the blessing of where I am here now because everything happens so fast. Melanoma is very aggressive. I already had it on my system. But anyway, she called Monday and the next appointment that she had was like five weeks away. So she asked the assistant, put me on a waiting list she explained that she didn't like what I had in in my head and uh, to call her immediately when they had an opening and what happened is that Tuesday morning she reached out to my wife said there's an opening Wednesday morning so we took it and we were there right there and that's how I found out she came and saw what I had there, the lesion, and asked me if it was okay to show it to the medical students that were visiting that day. That actually worried me. Yeah. And they came in and she was explaining and I said, oh boy, this is not good. So she actually took the measurements and did a biopsy. And next morning, Friday morning, I was in my office and my assistant told me that it was Dr. Trowers. And so I just felt this amazing. I just, my God, I, I had this, all these emotions already. I knew that there was something wrong. And it was, she said, Mr. Cordoba, you have malignant melanoma. It's ulcerated. So you need to act very fast. I already sent you the report. And you have two doctors there that are the best in town in South Florida. So that was the beginning of my whole story. It turned out that with biopsies and stuff, the melanoma was already, at least they knew with a sentinel biopsy that it probably floated through my right side of my neck. They did more studies and yes, they did a biopsy and I had a lymph node a little bit beneath my ear, my right ear, and it was positive. So that started my first surgery. It was an extraction of 23 lymph nodes, and there were three that were, they could not reach, so they had to decide to, to actually cut one of my neck muscles, and they had to just remove it in order to get to these three 
lymph nodes and they happen to be the only three of 23 that they were positive. So that's another sign that I'm thinking, wow, how lucky. Then they put me into treatment about five months, four months into treatment. I had another lymph node on the left side of my ear. They biopsy it and it was positive. So they extracted 22 lymph nodes on my left side. They didn't have to remove any muscles, but two of them were positive. So the indication was that it, it was already in my lymphatic system, at least. And melanoma, like I say, it's very unpredictable and very aggressive. I call them angels, but I was put in, in the right hands. The two guys, the two doctors, the dermatologists suggested one of them was on vacation. The other one happened to be from the same country I'm from. I'm from Venezuela, from Greek parents and Spaniards, Madrid, Spain. But they migrated to Venezuela after World War II and their mm -hmm. civil wars and so forth. So anyway, he was from there. He went to do some sort of a conference and they liked him so much that they kept him in the U.S. And so he was the first one that actually I saw. And that was that one Thursday. I have doctors in my family. And this doctor happens to be my daughter's godfather. And uh, we're Catholic Christians. And they started medicine together. When I called him again, he had no room for a couple of weeks. But he said, no worries. You're going to go see him today. So he gave him a call on Thursday, like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I was there. He did a outpatient stuff. He had some. He, he does it at, in his office. And so he removed my first part. If you can see, your audience won't be seeing it. But I have mm -hmm. like a cross up here. Yeah. Because it actually, he removed everything. He said, don't worry. He was so an amazing human being giving me calm because he probably noticed. And the fact that Stefano, the other doctor, my friend and relative, he told him that I have five children, five young children. So that actually added a lot of anxiety. Bottom line is he did the operation. So from Sunday on Thursday, I had already removed that lesion from there, which came again like two weeks later but by then he actually recommended me the same doctor which is a surgeon oncologist and at sylvester cancer center in miami so i saw him they did the biopsy and that started the surgery thing so i had this one up here and then two weeks later three weeks later i had my first surgery which he said i was getting two for one because it had reoccurred again in my head Oh, and, wow. and the skull. So he took that out and uh, that started a, a whole process of 10 years. I was lucky enough to have um, this, the possibility of surgery. In many cases, there's no, mm -hmm. no reason, no way to do it. And uh, so I did the first seven years, I would get a surgery because it was operable. Then obviously they would put me on treatment then reoccurrence, surgery again, treatment, and, and different types of treatments. And it wasn't working. I would get the recurrence in the average every four or five months. And so on year seven, when it went to my brain, all of a sudden I had metastasis in my brain, eight tumors, and two of them ended up being not operable. And they were slowly but surely growing in the back lobe of my head, on my brain. 
the other ones were operable. So I ended up amongst these 10 surgeries that I had four craniotomies. They work on my brain four times. Thank God, because they were able to remove everything. I didn't have any any seizures or strokes that they say you could have a stroke. We're working on your brain. This young doctor at the time, neurologist, explained everything for me. And being a person of faith, a lot of stuff, my prayers were answered in many ways. Even the anesthesiologists, they were Christian. So I'll pray for you during this thing. And I just felt like I was being held by the source. And I know that it was God. It wasn't my time to go. My attitude was that. I didn't. I, I never took the attitude of a patient. As a matter of fact, I would wait for my turn when I was going to see my oncologist at the park downstairs. It's a beautiful area where they have the Sylvester Cancer Center at the University of Miami. And so the nurse practitioner would text me, oh, it's your turn. So I would go up. I was trying to avoid the energy of fear yes. of, of the folks that are the patients. I never wanted to take that attitude. I just said, this can't be, you bless me with five kids and you're taking me now. Uh, for those who understand, uh, and, and if they're Christian brothers or sisters, they probably know the story of Job, a guy that was always with faith and helping others and a family person. And I, I could not understand what ha why it happened to me. But that was the story since I was at the pool and I have to say, and I share this in my book, that I was diagnosed three weeks after my mother passed of cancer. Oh, wow. And so it was shocking for the family. I, from the very beginning, Claudia was seven. Our oldest kid, Alex, was 14. Then Nicola was, was 13. No, she, he was 12. And the twins were 11. They were... They're 16 months apart. Again, it, it was just, it was a shock. It, nobody wants to hear the word that you were diagnosed with cancer. And particularly then, I know many things now that I teach and help my clients understand. But at that time, I didn't. And we are all, our minds, we're all trained to go straight to an oncologist. We don't know anything else. And we fear this disease so much. Still, in, worldwide, we see cancer with uppercase letters and bolded. And in my case, I had many family members, especially from the Greek side, that passed from cancer, starting with my maternal grandfather. I was five, but I remember Greeks are a little tragic on this stuff, their culture. So I failed that tragedy. Then... Another aunt falls a victim of, of cancer, then a, a cousin and of my mom. There were second cousins for me. So I grew up fearing the disease. And I thought, I really thought, and I explained this in my book, that someday it was going to be my turn. Mm -hmm. And it happened. It, it really actually happened. But after the emotional roller coaster, I said, you know what? I'm going to beat the odds. I'm going to be the first family member that survives this disease. And mind you, we just lost my mother three weeks ago before my diagnosis. She did smoke a lot and it was lung cancer. But nevertheless, I saw the whole process and it reminded me 
of, of my family landscape history of cancer. But today I can tell you yeah, that cancer is not hereditary. It's not about the genes. It's really about the lifestyle of the family or the culture. That's what we inherit. And if it's really not a healthy lifestyle, it goes that way. So when you go still today to any doctor says, do you have history of hepatitis or diabetes or cancer? Who was it? They still ask those questions, but the reality is, and now with epigenetics and biology, they're finding out that no, it's not hereditary. It's an emotional issue, and there's so many things like that. But it was a long answer. But that's, in a way, the story. And on year seven, almost year eight, when they did my first craniotomy, you can see it, but not the audience, it's this one. The symptoms there was I was having tremendous headaches. It was like migraines almost. I started tottering just stuttering. And I, all of a sudden I had clients at that time I wasn't a coach, but I had clients that were completely Anglo. They would not understand Spanish. And my wife heard me talking to one of them in Spanish. And when I hang up, she goes, did you notice? I was having the headaches. Did you notice that you talked to Mr. Smith in, in Spanish? And I said, no, I talked to him in English. He said, no, you actually, the whole thing was in Spanish. And later on, because this client and his wife, we knew them, Don called my wife and said, look, what's going on with George? So she started suspecting and one thing led to another. So I, I did have the metastasis in the brain and it was headaches that really started that process. And I was at a client, I was working in consulting with Accenture and, and the side of technology. And I was having lunch with my clients and they just saw something weird on me. I wasn't eating. And then all of a sudden I, I temporarily lost my vision. Oh. So they, they held me up. They, they took me to the office. It was just seconds, but I did. So from that day in that office, my wife said, don't let him go. Because I said, call my wife. And don't let them leave. Don't let them drive. She came on the subway or metro over there, they call it, because it's not under underwater. It's over water. She took me to the hospital right away. And that started the whole process of all my surgeries in my head. There's four surgeries and two gamma knives. And it was then when they gave me the chemo for the brain. It was a new chemo that actually would break the barrier of the brain. The brain is very careful that nothing goes in there. Yeah, this yeah. particular chemo, and I know you're a survivor as well, but so they gave me this pill, which by the way, was a thousand dollars each capsule. It was in capsules, five capsules, one a week for five days, rest five days. And then on my second cycle on that Monday, when I took the pill again, I just said that I cannot continue like this. This is killing me. This is driving me over the walls. It was just the side effect was crazy. And I said, no way. So I did a lot of prayer. If anybody has a chance to read the book, I had no coach. I just did all my seeking. As it says in the Bible, seek and you shall find. I did all the stuff and I realized many things in, in, in that process of searching and one of them is that disease starts, it's emotional. Mm -hmm. Even 
melanoma and also because we somehow with the emotional clutter that we have and the stress of the day-to-day life we produce cortisol without really knowing and so you could have your best meal and healthy meal but if you're producing cortisol your digestion as a nutritionist i can tell you i specialize in the digestive tract doesn't go well and so the nutrients that you're supposed to go to your blood and strengthen your immune system and all that don't go. They actually go to fat or some of this stuff, some of this cortisol, it's really a drug, but it's naturally secreted for us for like fight or flight situations. Let's say you're in a life-threatening situation. But the thing is that the nervous system does not know if it's a lion or a pit bull following you or somebody that wants to just, I don't know, hurt you in the middle of the street, or or they don't know. It doesn't know. It just knows that you are stressed out and produces cortisol. And then the vagus nerve tells the stomach, this is the communication with our gut to say, hey, Talaya is, is so stressed out. What happens then is that the digestion doesn't go well even if you're having the best, let's say, a great meal and a healthy meal, that, that goes away. So that's pretty much a little bit of the whole thing. If you allow me, just to let you know, for the audience, for digestion, 25% of your digestion is what you eat. 75% is who you are when you're eating. If you eat in a hurry here in America... The average person chews six times and then they swallow. When in reality, they need to chew between 20 and 32 times before they swallow. Because digestion starts in your mouth. When you're chewing, your saliva enzymes start to process the food for the stomach. So if we eat in a hurry, if we just have a meal in 10 minutes instead of half hour, at least half hour, we're already... With time, we're producing so much acidity in our system that we get sick. Whatever it is, it could be any chronic disease. Thank you for sharing that, Georges. And for the sake of time, I would like to move on to some other questions. Mm -hmm. So you decided to go the natural route. What was the pivotal moment when you decided to do that? And how did your family and healthcare team respond? Excellent question, Talaya. Yes. It was almost on my eighth year when I had the meds in the brain after a scan. And right after the acroneotomy and when they gave me this new treatment, on that second week, I decided that I I wasn't going to go that route. And with prayer and meditation and faith, basically, the faith is a certainty of what you want because you know there's something bigger than you that will help you as long as you take action. So... I took action. I made a couple of inquiries. And in my book, I I call them all these people. I call them angels that appear. God conspired to what I was looking for. And my best friend's wife, who was in holistic health since she was 17, she said, look, I know this guy in Palm Beach. My sister went and he's a naturopath, but it's amazing. You should go see him. And I was already contemplating just quitting this. They say traditional chemo and the radio. 
And so I went to see him. The first thing he did was a scan, a non-invasive scan, where I could actually see my inside. And it looked like a fire fireworks thing. It was, he says, this yellow spots, it's the acidity you have in, in your body. Actually, a lot of it because of the chemo. So he showed me that and he explained to me the power of understanding that disease cannot grow in a body that has a a balanced pH and gave me some examples. I explained all that in my book and listening to him, he put me on a 21 day detox program. And he did say that I could have eggs in the morning because I went down from 170 pounds to 134. He says, you, you're pretty thin. It's okay. You just continue to have that protein for at least this 21 days. And uh, he saw me after 21 days. We did another scan and it blew my mind. Actually, I, I just thought, wow, this stuff disappeared in 21 days. The body is very wise. If you do what it needs to do there, what it has to happen. So he gave me a second. We did a second 21-day detox, no animal protein in that case. And when I came back to do the final test, it was amazing. And that particular experience was the last push to say, you know what, I'm going to go natural. So what happened? I told you that I have family members. Even my wife was in the medical world as an ultrasound tech, an x-ray tech. My friend and his wife is also a doctor and also my daughter's godmother. And they thought I was crazy. They said, bro, you have to continue. You have to continue. Have faith that you... And I said, look, guys, I know my body. I know myself. Look at it. It's going to be close to eight years now fighting this stuff. I'm looking like a road atlas. I have all these scars all over, especially in my head. And so I made the decision and I went and talked to my oncologist, which was really a blessing because I went and told him, look, I'm making this decision. And he looked at me and says, are you sure, Georges? Are you sure you want to stop? And I said, yes, doctor, but I would appreciate if you could continue to do my follow-ups. And he said, yeah, if you ever want to come back, you tell me and we get started again. So that was a blessing because I continued to see him every six months for a year and a half. And then he he himself said, look, you have no evidence of cancer. I don't know exactly what you're doing, but keep doing it. And that's the story. Actually, it's it's funny. I, I did the same book in two versions, English and Spanish. And they both made bestseller in Amazon the first day, the launching day. And obviously I went and give him a book and his nurse practitioner that always texted me, hey, it's your turn. You got to come up the stairs. They told me one thing. She said, we knew, and I remember this words when I took him the book and they were dedicated. Dr. Dr. Fun, he said, man, you look so good. Amazing. You're amazing. And Christina told me in front of the doctor that the first day that she saw me coming in as a patient, she knew that I had a chance because of my attitude, my mindset. Okay. I had some resistance, but I stayed my road and I said, I know this is going to help me. Yeah. That's how I went natural. Wonderful. A lot of blessings in your story and experience. That's a great thing. 
Georges, what advice do you have for someone with cancer who decides to get rid of conventional cancer treatment? If they decide on their own, sometimes they need a little push, including some folks that I know that were oncologists and they were infected with cancer and they started to do what they know. Mm -hmm. But my advice would be first to understand that healing happens from the inside out. In my faith, Jesus, as a man, told us that the kingdom of heaven was within us. And that is true. What did he mean? And, and that is our what other people see scientifically is our subconscious mind. It's really, some people call it the infinite wisdom of the subconscious mind. That is what Jesus was talking about. And we do have that power, although with time, we allow others to take it, but our best coaches are ourselves. That intuition, trust it, have faith that it will work. But if they say they don't know how to do it, make the transition. I'm going to share some things for you to share with your audience, a link. And obviously my book is available on Amazon. I think I gave you the links as well. But I would say that and to understand really who you are when you're eating, learn how to eat slow and respect your digestion. I'm not a proponent of extremes. I have people that say, oh, well, I'm paleo, I'm keto, I'm plant-based. And I have both sides of the aisle as clients. And that doesn't work. What, we, what you need to do is understand how the pH works and uh, how to create pH balanced plates. If you like, red meat, for example, and in and, and the stuff that I'm sharing, you'll see a table of foods that are acidic and foods that are alkaline. And what I teach my clients when, when we're going through my 90-day process, is it's three months because we work on changes of beliefs and also habit change, which doesn't happen in a week or two. It happens longer, 66 days, and you have new habits. But I teach people, you know, and I say, if you want a new couch in your living room, you need to actually move the old one. They, so that's like the metaphor I use. But it's all about maintaining a healthy, non-acidic body. If you do that, even if you're still working with the cancer, what happens if you do that, the environment, the acidic environment starts going away when you have a pH balanced body. A balanced pH. So I have a little ebook there that explains all this stuff. And that is key. Really the key disease cannot grow in a balanced pH. A, a body that is balanced has a pH balanced. And if the disease is there, you're killing the environment that they strive to live in. And in, in time it's gone. And people are saying, oh my God. But my advice also is to work on your emotional clutter. We all have issues since we're little, actually since we're in our mother's wombs. And that is key because reoccurrence will come whether you go natural or not, as long as you have not really attacked the root cause of the disease, which is 99% emotional. We have to look in there and clear that clutter and I guarantee you, with a balanced pH, you will never get recurrence. You'll be another Georges. 
or an Adotalaya or millions. People need to understand that there are millions of survivors. By the end of 2024, I understand that it will be 18 million survivors in the U.S. That's more than many countries, the size of any, many countries. So it, it is doable. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those tips, Georges. In the work that you do as a holistic transformational coach, who is your target audience? Great. I really struggled before I thought anybody that has cancer, but my target audience are people that are dealing with cancer or the threat of recurrence, and I help them transform their health and vitality. But my actually niche dot is mothers or fathers that have young children that are dealing with cancer. But I obviously, when you look at my client list, it's only been three or four in six years that are like that. Most of the time are people that they're young or older. Uh, lately, I see more younger people. It's crazy what's happening. It's almost like a, like a pandemic. Mm -hmm. But my niche is really right now, uh, overall, is working with people with cancer or the threat of recurrence and help them transform their health and vitality. I've had a few in my six-year venue now. October 17th was my six years as a holistic coach. And only three, three people have decided to stop the traditional treatment, but they work parallel with me and they see amazing results because we're protecting the good cells. And also I teach them that, okay, if you're deciding to continue to go where you are, we have to do some visualizations that this chemo is working for you. Mm -hmm. It's so important. For each client, I have a metaphor, which is the four legs of the table. Each leg is our, holistically speaking, each leg is one of our bodies, the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, and your soul, your spirit, your spiritual body. If one of those legs is missing, you can't eat, that table cannot stand. So I work in 90 days, each of those legs of the table, aiming for a complete balance holistic balance of the four beings that we are. We're not just a body or an organ. We're, we're all this stuff. And obviously, I start with the body, just learn teaching people how to eat. Also, how to sleep is very important. I, I actually share our human cycle is 24 hours. The moon is 28. The, the earth is 360. The sun is 365 days. Ours is 24 hours. How are we designed? What is our design to rest and restore? And so tips to sleep well. And so then I jump into the emotional side. And in many cases, depending on, the, let's say, I have to say the word, but how advanced the cancer is in, in my client, I start with the mind first. Because that's really where everything is It's all about. And with the new stuff that I just got, I finished my test and I'm now officially an RTT therapist. They told me you could practice it, but don't charge. I have some testimonials of people that have been sent home to die with morphine and they're up and about in seven weeks. Wow. So it's in the mind, it's in your wish, but yeah, you know, that, that's the answer there. Great. Thank you. Georges, how do you get clients and where can people find you? Is it by word of mouth? Do you do talks, that kind of thing? And then also please tell the audience your website and where they can find you. Okay. Yeah. 
It's a little bit of everything you said. It's so far in the six years, there's been more referrals and testimonials. People say, we've got to work with this guy. Obviously, the fact that I, I'm a survivor and I wrote a book and he became a bestseller, that gives me some authority. They say, I want to meet this guy. So that's one way it's been referrals. The other way, and that's the only one, I'm just starting now. I hire somebody to help me with digital marketing to actually expand more. But just organically has been really like working with folks like you that have this type of mindset and have this podcast. And through the podcast, I guarantee you, probably when you actually post this, I'll have three to five people just from the podcast wanting a discovery session. And that's been really my way of doing this. And obviously with time, I had to really, because of the demand, I had to raise my prices, but also with RTT now. So if they cannot afford my services, I created a an online coaching method where it's not one-on-one, but it has the same copy that I share. So on Thursdays, I come up live in Zoom for QAs for those folks that have decided to go with the course. Probably by mid next year, I'll have the course also in Spanish, but right now it's only in English. That's pretty much it. For me, I could say it's a blessing. I wish nobody would get sick, but it is understood now that I just did a, the state of health of the U.S. and Canada. I spoke. That's another thing. I do talks. I started these talks with Dr. Font. He wanted like my relative said, and look at this message. He said to me, Georges, for Dr. Fun, you're a trophy. What does that mean? That means that not everybody survives. Even if they're doing the cancer, there's a misconception there. But he actually invited me to do talks at the University of Miami Medical School. And from there, one of my neurosurgeon, these are neurosurgeon, invited me to their synagogue. He's a Hebrew. And I that was another talk that I did. And then obviously that's been into different types of Christian denominations, churches. And then I went to holistic conferences. And next thing I know, I'm in, being invited to health or functional medicine conferences. And obviously that also opens up and that's really my goal. I want to ultimately just go out there and speak into crowds and instead of one-on-one, and then obviously they'll I'll be able to give them the coaching if they're interested. My website, it's a Latin, not Spanish or Greek or Italian. It's the Latin language from where French and everything. It's called Quale, Q-U-A-L-E, and then V I. VS and Victor ITA, qualevita.com. That means quality of life. And my website, it's also my wife. I was a technologist, she was a biologist. And now we're both working to help others in the holistic world. It's qualevita, Q U A L, VS and Victor ITA.com. Mm-hmm. And there you could actually schedule a, a discovery appointment. I have to tell your audience that discovery is to see if we match to work together but also for me to know that the person is going to do the work there's no magic one again faith without action it's like uh, 
intention at the beginning of each year, New Year's resolution, and then by March, everything was an illusion. You wanted to do this, but you didn't. So I make sure that you want to do the work because we meet weekly and then I give you homework to work on your habit changes and all this stuff. I will have that information in the listen notes along with a link to where they can get your book on Amazon. So all of that will be there for them. As we wrap up, there's a question I would like to ask you. Actually, there's two more and Mm -hmm. then we will wrap up. One is what is one I wish I would have known? Okay. Yeah, I wish I would have known that I don't have to do everything the same day or everything at the same time. The stress that I created on myself to trying to be everything for everyone really got me sick. I didn't have time for me, even though I'm an athlete and thanks for my tennis and how I learned how to do mental rehearsals that helped me soup a lot in my process. But I wish I had known that I don't have to do everything at one time, that nobody had a gun on my head to tell me the things that I had to do from very early in the morning. It's my time. It's no one else's time. So I wish I had known that. And, And also, I wish I would have known how amazingly important it is to no matter what, don't wait until you have a situation like cancer or an accident and you're going to come and come back. It's understanding that all the stuff that we have experienced since we were little, the stuff that when we think about it makes us feel bad or maybe somebody hurt us or we hurt somebody, we're youngsters, that stuff was accumulating some cortisol on me. I didn't know that, but I wish I'd known that. So for the audience, work on that. Even though you're right now, quote unquote, you're not having any chronic disease. The U.S. right now, 47.8% of the U.S., when I did my talk now in Toronto, 47.8% of the U.S. has one or two chronic diseases. That's crazy. And 34% of the Canadian uh, population has one or two chronic diseases. And the question is why? Why is it going to be one or two women having cancer and one or three men having cancer? We can prevent that. So my advocacy obviously is really prevention. My keynote talk is you can move your mountains. And and it's based on the famous biblical phrase, but that is what I would wish. I would wish that I don't have to be in a hurry and just do so many things at the same time. And being so competitive because of my tennis that I wanted to be the best at everything. And I think that was the message for me. God said, hey, that's not the way. Come here. And I had to go through a 10-year cancer, let's say, battle for me to really understand that that's not the way to live. And what concerns me is today, our youngsters, they want everything yesterday. They don't have patience and patience. And that creates a lot of issues. And also other issues that right now are not part of the world agenda, like spirituality. So we see a lot of depression, a lot of suicide, a lot of stuff. And it's because of lack of those basic things that we humans 
need to understand that, that we have, you know. Thank you. Great reminder. Yes, you don't have to do it all in one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finally, Georges, what do people often misunderstand about you or the work that you do? It's not everybody when we say people, mm-hmm. but there are folks that just, they have called me fraud or because they don't understand. The mind goes to what is familiar. So they're so familiar with their traditional ways of curing or trying to cure cancer, they just don't see it. They see me as a fraud. And actually, I've been called that. And that's because they can't understand. I even had doctors in in the Facebook group. I know that it was a doctor after he had actually bought my book. And I just said, look, there are ways to do complementary stuff to your chemo. If you're feeling so sick, you, you you see all these comments and you say, oh my God, I wish they knew. But not everybody's ready for this message. Unfortunately, some of them, like I've experienced now in the last few weeks, they wait. They see me, let's say, two years ago at, at a different podcast or a year and a half ago. And now they're telling me when they're told, which I believe is it's really sad for somebody to tell you, hey, this is all we can do. So find something else and good luck. Oh, and now after three years and all this money, you're telling me go and do something. So one thing that I'm going to share with you guys, just because it's going to be there, is a questioner. Well, if you, God forbid, you get cancer, the first thing you got to do is you're going to employ. Your mindset is, I'm not going to God. I'm going to a doctor that I'm employing to help me heal. As an employer, as an employee, you're going to ask him some questions. If you're going to hire him to help you, this questionnaire is going to help you a lot. But you have to have the strength mentally to say, let me ask you, a lot of people are scared to ask him. But it's simple questions. Doctor, is this stuff that you're going to give me, is it going to help me? Are there anybody that, that I can talk to that has been five years in, in remission, as they call it? I don't like that word. Because psychologically, they're telling you that it can come back. You're healed. Help the person mentally. They don't know it. They just know what to do. They're not psychologists, they're not nutritionists. So one of the questions is that, or how about 10 years? Or doctor, how about if I don't do anything? How much time do I have? And see what they answer. Doctor, is it true that you get your chemo, the different chemos for the different cancer at a certain cost, and then you mark it up to the client or the insurance company? Is it true? Those are valid questions that will get you to think what's going on here. Then if they have the chance to open themselves up, not so far into their process where they say, I cannot do anything else. Because on the other hand, when they see that the person is free, they do three scans in, in two months and there's no evidence of tumors or cancer, now they're telling some of my clients, we want to, to continue in case it comes back. What is that? Thank you. Great advice. Great questions. Georges, it has been a pleasure having you on the show and talking with you. You have shared so much wonderful information. I think we'll have to have you back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because I'd you be have an a honor. lot of a lot of wisdom to share, a lot of information. Actually, there's one more thing because (laughs) you mentioned that you've been caught a fraud. 
And even doctors and some of the healthcare system have questioned the work that you're doing. Even in the work that I do, clients have been told that it's not needed. So before we end, I would like the audience to hear, please share one experience that you have helped a client to achieve one outcome. If you could just share a testimonial or a story. Yeah. Okay. It's hard because there's many. So many. And, uh, <laughs> you'll see a, a good number in my website. It's called Experiences. This guy, about 64 years old, he had four strokes in his life. And on top of that, he had melanoma. And he's still fighting the, the movement stuff. But uh, we started working with him. I started working on the nutrition first because he's in a nursery home and he doesn't get the right food. Definitely in hospitals. That's ironic, but that's the case. So I helped him with that first. And then right away, I started working on his mind to visualize. The mind does exactly what you say, what you think, or what you visualize. It works with the emotional body. And then it manifests in the physical body. If you say something that is not true, it doesn't know the difference. If you say something negative, it, it, it makes it happen. Same if you go to the positive side and you start visualizing, like I said, from the inside out, you can visualize yourself healing. I use different tools and ways like the Pac-Man game and then you go and, and killing all the, eating all the bad cells, but also more spiritual, like you're getting this amazing holy ray coming through your head and just melting everything out and doing that. And I record it for them. It's part of my protocol. I recorded a personal life for that particular client. It's not the same for everybody. Some of them are the same because we're very similar in many cases. We finished 90 days and we do goal setting for those 90 days and we plan the stuff. People don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. So we do a plan and this particular client we finish and they wanted to continue. That happens a lot to me. So we go then every other week for a while. And on his fifth month, he started moving his arms. He started to moving his legs because the strokes really, it, it, it was terrible for him. He's still in a wheelchair, but his melanoma went away to the point now that they're doing tests. Hey, I don't know. This is, and they call it radical remission. Since they don't have an answer their scientific thing, oh, this is radical remission. They don't care what happened or how because they believe only in what they were taught. That's one. Now with RTT, they say you can practice without charging. I have to say this one because this client, I was in a podcast a month ago and this client's sister saw me and immediately, she, they're in Australia, immediately she called her mom and say, look, you guys have to contact Georges to see what they, we can do with this is name. This is confidential, but I know that it's fine. I'm doing this in good faith. I was sent home. He's got a, a condition that this type of cells really hit his cognitive abilities and also his spinal cord. So he was sent home in a wheelchair. Sorry, we can't do anything else. Good luck. But along the way, we're going to give you morphine for your pain and stuff like that. So he was sent home. And a week later, they find out about me. His sister also 
brought a lot of stuff by this amazing guy, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And so he's listening to his stuff and he did an online course with Dispenza. They contacted me. We did a discovery session. It was 5.30 Monday for me and then 8.30 in the morning, Tuesday for them with a time change. And so he was waking up with, still with morphine in him. He was really not there in a way. Mom was the one answering and stuff. And I saw the situation. They said, what can you do? How can you help? I said, look, why don't we just start month to month and I'll help them month to month. And here's the deal. After our first session, that was a discovery session. I was After our first session, I recorded something for him and, and I asked him to listen to it as many times as he listens to Joe Dispenza's meditations. And and he did. He's 38 years old, also a tennis player. The man, many similarities with me. My oldest son is 37, so I, he could be my son. After that first session, that was on a Tuesday. And on Friday of that week, he stood up from the wheelchair. And I called his mom. They live in a two-story house. And they were really impressed, amazed. And he asked them mom and his sister who happened to be there to help him walk around the house it took a long time but he did that we had our second session and we did something called command cell therapy it's with deep meditation or hypnosis and in that week not even friday he actually stood up and walked himself to the stairs and so they helped him out. And basically he said, I don't want to have morphine anymore. I'm fine. I'm not in pain. So they took him out of morphine. They called the doctors. And now we're on week seven. We just finished last Tuesday, week seven. By then, along the way, on the third week or fourth, he asked his former tennis partner, who is also a physical therapist, helping him every week. He asked him to walk him to the tennis courts, which in our measurements is about half a mile from his house, three quarters of a mile, to walk him to the courts and back. And they did, just him and this guy. The progress has been so fast. Last week, he asked him if he could drive. They actually went, like if he was a youngster, they say, okay, let's go around the block. But he was sent home to die. Wow. Then all of a sudden, for me, I received an email from the podcaster because his sister sent a testimonial of what was happening with her brother after two weeks working with me. And he mentioned that he's working with me and with Joe Dispenza. And that is really one that is just amazing. The other one is this lady with breast cancer. She had decided not to even have surgery. She was very extreme. And I was trying to say, look, if it's operable, you know. So we worked and she didn't have seem to have much progress, but she didn't want to have doctor visits. The bottom line is that she basically had so much faith, so much faith in her that she could heal. Speaking of Dr. Dispenza, she went to two one in, in Cancun, Mexico, and one in London, two of his week's presentations and retreats. 
and completely vegan. We worked a little bit on that because she was feeling very weak and stuff. So I convinced her, look, it's all about managing your pH balance in your plate. But if you want to have, let's say, chicken or fish, or maybe one day steak, if you know what to combine with these foods, you'll be okay. By the way, as a nutritionist, not everybody, depending on your metabolism and your blood type, you have to be careful with what things you do because you're thinking not everybody's the same. Anyway, but uh, yeah, that's another testimonial and she's still around. And I just trying to convince her, go and get a scan. So, you know, I'm just, no, I'm fine. My, this stuff has gone away. And you know what? It is the case. And, and in her mind, she's okay. And she's up and about. It happens. I have, on the other hand, situations with the person a year later or not didn't make it. We already know that one day we're going to leave this planet. But one thing, real quick to finish, that is key is I always ask my clients, are you going to be the same person when you are healed again? They all say, no, I just got to make some changes. Those who are not clear of that, I believe those are the ones that they get the recurrence and don't make it. You have to have a purpose to keep going. Great point. Great testimonials and stories. Thank you so much for sharing those. I think that's really important for people who may be on the fence and Mm -hmm. to really just add to your credibility as well. Not that you need anyone to tell you that, but for the people who are not sure, so people know how you've helped other people. Sure. Georges, we have been talking for a while. I want to thank you so much for your time. I will make sure that the audience knows how to reach you and get the information that you have to share. It's been an honor, Georges. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much, likewise, for inviting me. This is a beginning between you and I. We're in the same team. So yes, yeah, agree. whatever we can do together, we'll do. Absolutely. That's the key. It's a mm-hmm. team. Cancer is a team. team sport. Yes. yes. Thank you, Georges. Before we end, I'd like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Please share, follow, or subscribe so that you can easily find this podcast and listen again. You can also listen to Navigating Cancer Together on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcast. Are you looking to expand your professional network? If you are, join me on LinkedIn. As an active member of the platform, I would like to personally invite you to connect with me there. Let's grow our connections together. You can search for Talea Dindi, B-C-P-A, that's spelled T-A-L-A-Y-A, D-E-N-D-Y, B-C-P-A. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you found it helpful. Please be sure to subscribe, share, and tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you join me for the next episode. Talk to you soon.